All right, I'm Dan, and welcome to the Stage Fright Podcast, where we talk mental health while working in creative industries. Today, I'm talking to James Williams. And then I was on a yacht where the mast snapped in the middle of the Atlantic. I thought, fuck this, sailing ain't for me. Addiction was the main topic for today. It was always coke and drinking. I was doing about three, four grams a day. I was awake once for five days thinking, MI5 will follow me around. And life in rehab. They said, do you realise you're probably taking it to slow yourself down? Wow. I mean, who the fuck takes coke <laughs> to slow himself down? And the effects that's had on James's family life? i got a six-year-old daughter. I didn't get to see her for two and a half, three years. Burning out. This is part this on the anxiety thing if i say no to something i then get the fear of missing out we talk about how much i made from that tiktok video you're kidding (laughs) (laughs) and the monetization of music in general in the modern day and age do people need a record label anymore exactly james asked me that important where's the dirty dead album question as an artist you do feel you're putting the pressure on your fans to help you out honestly i've just been sort of jaded by the whole being an original band thing and posting content online i found out the only true algorithm that works. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, I'd love to. You're listening to the Stage Fright Podcast. Here's James Williams. I've sort of, I've done my back, um, so I can't sit down for too long. So at some point I'm going to stand up. Like, that's all right. In like 15 minutes or yeah, so, I'm just going to like right. stand up and, and do, do what it. you need to do, mate. It's all good. My mate Jess is a, a physio or one of those jobs and she's like, you just got to stand up every 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. But yeah, how you been? Hi, mate. Well, I'm all right. I'm all good. It's good to be here. Yeah, good. But Wooden Heart. I do like that as a name for a studio, Dan. It's good, isn't it? It came from, uh, there's a band called Listener. Yeah. I mean, Elvis Presley's got a song called Wooden Heart, but there's a band called Listener and they've got a song called Wooden Heart and it's one of my favourite songs ever. I tell you what I like. I come in here and it's like a proper bric-a-brac of cool. (laughs) You know, I mean, obviously with what you do with your guitar stuff and that, I mean, some of the amps you've got in here are great. Yeah, you got foot pedals coming out your ears. I know. It's just you. Just, you just. It's like a. It's like it's, if I was a hoarder, it's how I would be. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Do you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's quite nice because there's a lot of studios that I assume you've been in as well that just feel a bit like dental practices. <laughs> yeah. It just feels yeah, like London, just feels like very probably, yeah. yeah London yeah. London studios just a bit too clean. Don't eat that chocolate bar in here. Yeah. It's like what the fuck are you <laughs> fuck off? I'll eat a chocolate bar. Go. Got to keep my blood sugar up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Am I, oh, am I allowed to swear? Yeah, 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 oh, mate. That's all right. Good. Swear we want. Yeah. One, two, two. Hang on. One, two, 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 two. Cool. Right. So, yeah, when I put the thing out about this podcast, you know, it's about, it's called Stage Fright. It's about like sort of anxiety in the music industry or creative yeah. industries. You came back to me and you were like, oh, I've got a shit ton of stuff <laughs> I could talk to you about. Yeah, basically. With a list. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, a couple of things. So really. yeah, basically, I'm here with James. Um, James, you want to explain what you do a little? I'm bit? I'm James Stretch Williams. I am uh, the sprightly summer forty four years old. I spent my early twenties. I've been playing guitar and writing songs since I was about oh, eighteen, nineteen. Um, learned guitar in a Young Offenders Institute when I was seventeen. Really? Uh, yeah. Then I went basically to music school. Uh, went off. Uh, I spent six months on live touring, six months on yachts, and then I didn't really do any songwriting or performing for a good ten years while I worked in the super yacht industry. What were you doing on yachts? Uh, I would basically I got up to a bosun on the yachts, and then I was on a yacht when a mast snapped in the middle of the Atlantic. I thought, "Fuck this, sailing ain't for me." 
when you're out here. No oh, way. Yeah, that was good fun. That's scary. Through. Horrible. <laughs> I thought I'd be. I thought I'd be in a life raft, living off like a block of Kendall mint cake a day. For, <laughs> you know, for waiting for some fucking deep sea vessel to come and rescue us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, so when I came back, I worked shore base for yachting. And when I when I moved to Hampshire. I had a ton of songs written and, uh, yeah, having a stab at it and writing my own stuff all through a lot of that time. I've had the best part of about 25 years of performing, wow. touring, teching, yeah, cause you're, the whole kit and caboodle. You seem very busy. You always, online, I always see you're playing yeah. here, there and everywhere. Oh, yeah, like every well, week. How yeah. many gigs do you play a week, do you reckon? I, I, in December for Christmas, this is me at my worst, it was, I did 17 gigs in 20 days. Wow. And... Never fucking again, nah. basically. I, I have a problem saying no to things. I oh, feel really? if I say no... This is part of this on the anxiety thing. If I say no to something, I then get the fear of missing out on it. Yeah. Now, I know that you've said that as yeah. well, where if you want, you don't want to turn down a gig. No. Nah. Because ultimately, this is the first time in my life I've properly had a stab at music full-time. This is something where I take my hat off to you because you're always busy in terms of you're either recording or you're a musical director for yeah, something or yeah. you're out playing and all the rest and of it. And that's what you've got to be. You can't just go into the music industry going, right, I'm going to be a guitar tech. Yeah. Like, you can't just be a guitar tech. Yeah, exactly. Like, unless you, you get... You have to become, a, like, a, 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 guitar a jack, a of, all tech. Tra- a be, jack yeah. of all musical trades, so That's why speak. I did all the guitar setup stuff. That's yeah. why I do all the mixing and all the all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because you need to have your fingers in a lot of... A now, lot I'm of not like you, because I can't do... I can. I mean, I could do a guitar setup, but I don't have the tools at hand like you do. Uh, I, I can't, like, you know, I'm learning at the moment stuff about Logic and Pro Tools and you things from like Mark that. Mark as well. When yeah, you, when I learned from him. I learned from Nick at Andover College. I basically... Because, so then I can... if I'm sitting and writing i'm not doing a shitty demo into my phone yeah which i then get anxious about sending to someone because it doesn't do it justice yeah. if you've you know when you write a song on an acoustic or mm-hmm. on a piano it, and then you're recording it into your iphone and it sounds like some gabbled version of it at three o'clock in the morning it's funny because i get a lot of that like i write for people and stuff and i get a lot of people sending me phone demos and the first thing they say is oh it's just a demo yeah like, yeah i don't, I don't even want to be in that position where like, you're on the back I, I know. foot from the start you know i'd yeah. rather be right look there it is bang i've just recorded it into logic i put a bit of reverb on it yeah. there's a guide track done it to a click boom yeah. you know you're saving time in a studio and you're not making yourself look like a twat yeah. or sound like a twat because <laughs> you, you record it like... i do know in my head this yeah. is this is one of those things it's uh but yeah no you don't i mean most people only have a phone at their disposal yeah. but these are the things that if you're going to be a full-time musician these are the things that you know, I sort of look at in people like you or yeah. whoever that I take seriously. Yeah. And I think, do you know what? That's the real deal, that. Drew. Yeah. Uh, probably George and Sean from the Lowriders, both good at what they do, they? musician-wise. Sean, yeah. is that Sean Besson? Sean Besson, yeah. yeah. Dave Allen as well. Yeah, Good job. You introduced yeah. me. You, I mean, him and Pete from Stone. You know, I've met some great musicians while yeah. I've been here. In fact, I've got to say, and I'm from Bristol, I've never met such a concentrated wealth of talented blokes in as rural an area. That's mad. <laughs> it, and it is mad. It must be that there's fuck all else to do in Wiltshire and Hampshire. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it's it's got to be. Yeah. There's, it's funny. I meet people and like, I haven't seen in the industry for ages. Like, I met someone the other day and I said, what are you up to now? And he's like, oh, I'm just working on Slipknot. And you're like, oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. You've actually yeah. gone out and achieved something. And he's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Like, I do that. And I'm doing Chris Brown and you know all that kind of stuff. So it, you know, the, the musicianship in, in Andover in like, Hampshire is... It's unbelievable. Like, it, yeah. it really is, really yeah. is good. It's got cool. Yeah, I feel like I've fallen in a barrel of cocks and come out sucking my thumb. 
<laughs> basically well see i read somewhere the other day andover's been good they call it the gulag the gulag of hampshire the gulag <laughs> of hampshire what a, great. what a great title to have a town attached to doing all those shows you must get burnout yeah absolutely 100% but the problem is my brain goes at 100 mile an hour doesn't yeah. it so it's when you're on stage are you fine you're um, like this uh, is fine what it, I'll tell you what it it's a, it was a couple of things it, it's kind of like the anxiety I get from performing isn't actually in the performing no the only time I get anxiety in music on stage is if you haven't sound checked correctly and you're playing and you're going for a song and if you've got a guitar where one you can hear one string slightly out and you're in the middle of a song or 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 the, the you, you know when you're perfect when you're performing i'm one of those i'm i'm so fucking needy i'm one of those people that you know like you want you want you, you want to see people into it and having fun and yeah, enjoying themselves yeah, yeah so when they ain't or when it's a bit of a quiet gig and there's only four people there, yeah. or something. We've all done gigs like that. Yeah. That's one time where then you, then your head's off, isn't it? You, you're in the middle of, uh, well, it is for me anyway, you're in the middle of playing thinking, does this sound shit? Yeah. Am I playing the wrong songs? Is that string slightly out of tune? Uh, the, yeah, I'm not happy with that sound. I'm not happy with this. And those gigs, when, you, when you're playing on stage and you haven't got the mix right for your monitors uh, and, and it, you can't get it to sound right, yeah. Those are the ones. That's that's the thing that sets anxiety off for me because I know I know in, in myself as a person, I know I'm a capable guitar player mm. and I'm a capable performer. And entertainer. I've yeah. done enough fucking gigs to know that. But yet, if in your head, where well, a little imposter syndrome will yeah. start off and the anxiety kicks in yeah. when you know it doesn't sound that great. Or then sometimes you can play a gig to a room of five or six people and the PA and all the reverb and everything and you think, yeah, I'm on form tonight. And then you're buzzing. So yeah. you're like giving yourself positive affirmations. Yeah. When you're on stage and you're going through that, right, this is shit, how do you kind of deal with that? How do you... Fiddling. <laughs> basically, yeah, just basically you, you, you get your song out of the way. I sometimes actually miss a verse off a song. Oh, really? Or miss a verse, and just across, to get it done. If I just to get it out the fucking door, okay. yeah, and then I'll and then I'll go back to like the mixing day, right? Okay, right, a bit more viva, like yeah, and mess around with it, right? Right now, okay. I'm happy. I see. Yeah, so that that's one instance where where and that can happen quite quickly on you. It, it snowballs quick. It, it, it is. It's like you're suddenly in some sort of sound check avalanche where. Oh, you'll be playing and you'll go. This is going well, and then you go. Oh, is my is my B string out? Yeah. Oh, hang on, no. Oh, I forgot. I think there's too much reverb on the vocal. Yeah. And that's it. And then, you yeah. Just, and then that's it. Then you, yeah. Do you get that at all? Not so much now. Um, I get it more with um, a personality. Like, I get it more where I, I'll turn up and I'll go, cool. I know the parts. I know, like, yeah. I'm in tune, whatever. I've got all the equipment. Um, I just think, as I'm playing, I think, do these guys like me? Is that I, what you're I, thinking? Yeah. I'm thinking, right. Do these, am I clicking with these guys? Are so, they getting my jokes? Am I am I am I being funny enough? Am I am I being too annoying? Blah blah. blah. There was one instance where I came out of a rehearsal with a band, and I thought like I was playing, yeah, I was playing it all, all good. And the drummer, all he said was, "Oh, um, on this song, can you just dig in a bit harder when you play, like play that riff?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, cool." And that was it. Then the rest of the rehearsal, I was thinking, "Fuck, fuck, fuck." So they think I'm shit. They think I'm shit. They think I'm shit. All he said was, "Oh, can you just dig in a bit harder on this intro?" Your your mate Elliot said something interesting in one of the previous podcasts. Um, where when you turn up, if I've turned up for like a, an audition with a band or whatever, yeah. I pretty much, I'm like, I, I will religiously be at home 
playing uh, along to the track. Yeah. Over and over and over till I know my shit inside out with yeah. it. And it's usually within one or two times, you yeah. know, most of it. I, in everything I've ever done, I would never, ever get anxiety from turning up to a rehearsal or a performance without not knowing my shit. Yeah. Because once you, if you've got that knowledge, if you're armed with that, I couldn't give two fucks whether, 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 you know, they like me or not. I'm not, but oh, I'm really? not, yeah, I'm not like that. I, yeah, I, no, I, I know what you mean. I, I feel empowered yeah. in the fact that I've got the knowledge of that. So I know, right, there's nothing, oh, there's nothing, I know my shit inside out on that. Yeah. You know, if I, if I went and had to, what I've started doing at gigs, this is a good one, I throw out a book. Because I got bored of playing, you know, you know, when you're gigging, you're, you get those five. If you play the covers <laughs> band, you get those five fucking songs everyone asks for, which is yeah. "Wonderwall," "Can You Play Wonderwall," <laughs> yeah. um, "Sweet Caroline," yeah, "Sex Caroline. on Fire," "Mr. Brightside," yeah. and "Don't Look Back in Anger," yeah. or, or "Park," or you know, these, these regular five songs. Mm-hmm. So I got I got bored of doing that cliched thing. So what I'll do now is at events, I'll take an A4 book with me and a pen and I'll chuck it out into the audience and I'll say, just write down any song, any band, anything you like. And it, it comes back. If you're, in a, if you're in a bar full of girls, it comes back with like Whitney Houston, I want to dance yeah. with somebody. <laughs> you know, like a, some bad Hindu nightmare yeah. written down. But I like it because then yeah. I think, right, okay, have a go at that. That gives the audience the power. It gives them the power. Them, yeah. It engages you with them. Yeah. I sometimes even get them up to sing it, like some, ba- some bandioki thing. That's a good and, idea. And yeah. it's great as well. It's great because people go, oh, no, I couldn't do that. And you get them sat up next to you. And me and you, you know, we, we obviously know, like, a song and its structure and that. Mm. And I always, like, communicate with them. You and you watch their bollocks grow as they get start getting through a song and realising it's not as hard or as intimidating as yes. it would actually seem to be up yeah. on stage. And it breaks down the divide with the audience. Yeah. And then you, next thing you know, you're playing fucking Rick Astley. You don't know why. <laughs> Everyone's having a good time. And you yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, there's, and there's no anxiety on it. Yeah. But it also challenges you because you're thinking, right, okay, what key with that? Right, okay, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, yeah some one, four, five. Yeah, okay. And it yeah. helps you. So I don't get anxiety from being thrown in at, on songs I don't know anymore. Cool. Uh, it sort of trained me out of that, unless it's some sort of Django Reinhardt mental blue jazz, yeah. trans, <laughs> jazz which song. I wouldn't, <laughs> which like, I wouldn't even have a go at. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's interesting how it can how it creeps that, up in different ways. That kind of thing for me, that was my my dance TV jam stuff. Um, every time I did that, it kind of got me into the thing of oh, I only have to do two takes and it's fine. I don't have to sit and do eight takes of a vocal. I can just do two. Right, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, you know that got that really changed my. Um, kind of perception on recording yeah. really quickly because I just go right I need to do one a week get it out and that was what helped me kind of go right let's just right do the mix yeah fuck it yeah that'd be good that'd be cool let's go out and that really stopped me from overthinking mixes yeah because you get a lot of that like um just before you send it out or you send a mix to to the band you're mixing you go are they gonna like this are they gonna like what I've done here? And then mm. you send it back, and they set, they'll send an email back saying, "Mate, that sounds great. Can we change this, 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 and this?" And you're like, "Oh no, they don't like it. They hate it. They hate it." Well, so your like, mate Elliot said, "You send over, you send over an album. Eighty percent of it came back rejected." <laughs> I was like, "Fucking hell!" I said, "You're a drummer and a tattooist, dude." <laughs> <laughs> he's a bass player. He's a, yeah, oh, he's a bass player. player. I'm for, sorry, I'm sorry, Elliot. I've yeah, already, already um, messed around. We never, we never really said until the end of the podcast. He was like. Have I mentioned that I'm actually a bass player? <laughs> An hour has gone by and we actually didn't, didn't mention it. <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash 
Dan Parkinson Music. For advert-free, higher quality and early access to the Stage Fright podcast. In the list you sent that you said you could talk about, addiction came up. Yeah. Which is something that I've never had experience of. Yeah. I've never... But being backstage at festivals, <laughs> you get offered a lot of stuff. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, um, I left to my own devices, I could probably sabotage anything, basically. Really? I, yeah. I, my thing was always coke. It was always coke yeah. and drinking. Yeah. Um, I've never, you know, I've never liked anything that right. I'd never do anything that rhyme with hack. It would just be too chaotic for me. Okay. I, I, so at least I got some sort of, not that there's grades of it, but I got some sort of degree of control or acceptance of if I got into the really, really heavy shit. When lockdown happened, and I and you, I, you, I'm walking around my living room. I've, I'm I'm doing a lot of writing. I'm pacing my living room like a tiger in a bad zoo mm-hmm. basically you can't get out you can't do anything yeah and my using escalated to i was doing about three four grams a day at one okay. point and so and not not only three or four grams a day how much was that costing you uh it, enough let's say it was i mean if you it, I, I had about 250 quid a day habit <sighs> jesus see i don't yeah. know anything about the drug side of so I don't know how yeah. much stuff costs, but but, that- but what happened with me is if I think about it, so so my issues with coke started when I was working in yachting, and uh, I'm on this boat where the mast snaps mid Atlantic, so I'm then out in Antigua with well, I've got two guitars with me, a Marshall amp, my passport, and about six hundred euros to my name which doesn't last you long in the Caribbean. Who else were you with? I was with the crew on a boat. How many? There was, and most of these crew are all like late 40s, early 50s. So they've sailed across. I've been hired as one of the deck crew. I've blagged my way on board, basically. I didn't want to go home from the end of this tour when I was in Gran Canaria. So I blagged my way onto a super yacht. (laughs) No no thinking, this is me, typical textbook jimmer. No thinking at all. And on day seven in the middle of the Atlantic, the force day goes, which is, is, if you look at a sailing yacht, you've got the mast, and then you've got all these metal rods that go from the mast to different points of the deck, which obviously yeah. support it in place. Well, the force day, the front one just goes ping, and you this all around, and it just sets off this chain reaction of destruction around the boat. And I'm thinking, oh, this is not fucking good. And um, so the mast snaps, yeah, right, because it's now got not got the support from one side. So we then do 1,600 miles with a snap mast and, a, and an engine on 1,500 revs over with constant oil change, get to St. Lucia, and then go from there up to Antigua for the ma- new mast to be put in the boat. Now, when you're in the Caribbean and you're 20... How old was I? 25 years old. I'm thinking, right, I've got guitars. I'll go out and get gigs in yeah. bars, which I did. And then I'll work on yachts, you know, and I'll yeah. be doing gigs on yachts. And you're doing gigs for, you know, like the top one percenters. They, they would chuck you like $500, $1,000 to play another 30 minutes because they're all having a good time. Right, right? Okay. So you're then 25 and you're running around the Caribbean with a couple of thousand dollars. Yeah. And you got... If you think about geographically where the Caribbean is, right? You a lot think, of coffee. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of coffee there. And, um, and this is where my problems really started. I, I, this is when I sort of realised I'm in a bit, I'm in deep shit here. Uh, and a bit of what I would be about as a person. I have basically, you know, you're running around, it's $40 a bag. And okay. it's not the sort of shit you get in the UK. Right. It's like, you know, it's, it's basically... Well, you're they cutting, call good shit. You're cutting out the several middlemen that may, that may okay. have stepped on it a bit. 
I was awake once for five days thinking, MI5 will following me around. I actually wrote a letter, right, to Max Clifford, the PR guy who got done, you know, and in <laughs> yeah. jail, about this conspiracy about how I was being followed around by, like, the Sun News. I lost my shit. Totally no lost way. my shit. I had, to, I had to go to a... I went to a police station, and I handed myself in because I was past my passport stamp. And as ho- in the hope that they would expat, they would like um, deport me, yeah, because they didn't have the money to pay for a yeah. flight home. I got myself in a terrible mess out there. And then when I came back, that sort of I knocked that on the head for a bit, but then it would it would come up again and again and again, yeah. And eventually, I just thought, right, I've got to go to rehab for this. Wow. So I went to a rehab just after um, just after lockdown. I did a month in a rehab in Weston, which was like. The, it's like an emotion. It's like an emotional torture where they say that listen, once you take away whatever the drug is, you still got the behaviour pattern behind it, right? Yeah. And so it, it gets you down to that. And you walk around all day. They say, "How are you feeling today?" I was like, oh, "Fuck off! I'm spiritually bankrupt. I don't yeah, know. How I'm feeling. Yeah. You know." And they make you sort of your thinking's got you in here. It's how you feel that get you out of it. And these all these different sort of mantras mantras and well and i'm thinking this is a load of bollocks but you have to go with it um and it it is generally did you feel like that the whole time you were in there or did no no i went in there obviously quite jack the lad know it all yeah (laughs) you know why am i in cynical about it this is a load of bollocks i needed to be there i never doubted that but i was i've never been it, you'll notice it when you play this podcast back a bit. I mean, I, I, I've talked a lot more than you. I've, I've yeah, always fine, been no, more of a talker than a listener. Yeah, it's good. And you have to listen when you sort of go into those sort of places. And it, it certainly calmed me down a bit. I'm only about 70 mile an hour now in my brain, <laughs> rather than 100 mile an hour. Yeah. But yeah, so addiction has been... It's, it's never been something that's linked to music. If anything, I find that if I get a bit twitchy or i think about i play i know I, I i don't play gigs really anymore where i'm coked off my tits mm-hmm. um it affects your voice um you play everything far too quick mm-hmm. um, have you seen video footage of you playing back i have after? yeah and and i can tell and it adds a whole other layer to that insecurity and anxiety yeah because you think are oh, people looking at me i'm six foot six i ain't an inconspicuous bloke so if I look wired, it is quite obvious. That's you know? that, that's mad because I always thought the coke would give you the confidence nah, to be like. For with me, with me, they said this to me in rehab. That this is the mental thing about it. They said, "Do you realise you're probably taking it to slow yourself down?" Wow. I mean, who the fuck takes coke <laughs> to slow himself down? I mean, when someone says that to you, you think, right, okay. So then I've got to start looking at: Am I a bit ADHD? Yeah, right. I get diagnosed with that, yeah. which is great. Okay, so and that's fine. Um, but yeah, uh, and, and and they would say rather than being chatty and full of confidence, they said you're the last person in the fucking world who needs cocaine because mm. you're quite an outgoing, chatty yeah. person. But when I do it, if I do it on stage, in my head, then I'm sketchy, I'm introverted, I get quite paranoid now. And and it, and it, there's just for me, if someone, if I was about to go out and play in front of sixty thousand people, and someone said I have a line of coke, I'd be like, no, do you know what? No, because I wouldn't enjoy it as much. Great. That's good. So I why enjoy it why did you feel like you needed it? Do you know what I think? It's I think it's that that imposter syndrome thing of of 
I, uh, the other anxiety I have about things, so I've set my stall out for the first time last year to do music full time. Great. And you, and you, just like you with yours is, I, I, you know, I worry about whether people are going to like me. Mm-hmm. I don't, once you set your stall out to do something and I'm like, oh, you go balls deep into it. Mm. I, I don't want to fail with mm. it. And so, and my whole life growing up, obviously I, I was always in trouble for something. I was always a little tear away. Okay. So I kind of, Another anxiety I would have is in, you know, I've set my stall out to do music. Uh, I've written an album. You know, I'm I'm teaching people guitar, etc., yeah. etc. Et I I don't want to fail with it. I love it enough that yeah. I, I don't want to fail with it. And on the times when you do, yeah, doing doing gear, it'd almost be like you're beating yourself up in your own head. Mm. Yeah, there's a point where I would enjoy it, but I wouldn't go out and do it sociably. Was it anymore. like a mask? Yeah. It's like, cool, I've got to go out. I've got to be yeah. stretch yeah. on stage now, put the yeah. mask on. Yeah, yeah partly. Um, part of it was actually, I hate being around people if I've done too much gear. Oh, really? I would rather be at home, sat on my own with a bottle of brandy, a gram of gear, sniffing it, being awake all night, thinking a SWAT team are coming through the fucking window. Wow. You know? Oh, mate, yeah. And, and, um, so and I th- Yeah, I thought it was a very sociable drug. But well, it, it were... is to a lot of people, but it becomes, the longer you do it, it would become very antisocial. Where, okay. you know, I, and I think um, that's where the, you get this anxiety of, I don't want people to see me in this condition. Mm-hmm. And so you'll be at home writing... Then you get up in the morning, you see what you've written about, and you think, well, that's just cod shit. Um, they said by <laughs> Bob, so Bob Dylan, they reckon he wrote 10 songs a day and he threw nine of them away. Yeah, I so, see that. So then leaves you asking, how good were the fucking nine songs that he, <laughs> yeah. that he threw away? Yeah. You know? And I wonder how good some of the songs might have been that I'd thrown away, coked yeah. off my tits at home after half a bottle of Crofossier. <laughs> But um, and and the truth is not that fucking good. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so you know, yeah. so um, there's certain t- there's certain bands that can do it. The Beatles can do it. They can get away yeah. with writing an album on drugs. <laughs> well, yeah. So when I did the whole life allegedly, on a, yeah. Well, <laughs> you only got to look at what they were wearing for some of them. <laughs> think, yeah. When I did that whole Life on a Line album, originally mm-hmm. the idea was writing a book about the 12 steps of recovery, right, yeah. with a QR code at the start of each chapter and holding your phone over it. So it downloaded the album embedded in the book. Wow, great. So then I started writing the book and I got about halfway through it. I thought, do you know what? I'm better off just doing the album. And that's when, uh, when I moved here. I thought, I'm going to get out of Bristol, get this album done and out the door. And, uh, and that's why it's called A Life on a Line. Yeah. Um, cool. because basically I think up to the point of 2021 uh, nothing was ever consistent in yeah. my life and a lot of that would come down to depression mental health and addiction yeah and it's only really in the last 18 months that I sort of feel you know pretty focused did you driven. did you have to get away from Bristol I I, I didn't have to I'd I'd, I'd 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 fucked all sorts of things up down I was married for seven years uh I got a six-year-old daughter I didn't get to see her for two and a half three years because I think my ex-wife kept her side of the street clean in the mind initially you get a lot of resentment from that and then you understand do you know what yeah this is there's a common denominator in all of this and it's me yeah and uh and so yeah that's when you then get to the point where so when yeah when i'm when i'm sort of you know 
on the case now and asking, can I use air for practice or phoning birth saying, right, what day can I get in the studio? And these are the things that I, if I'm thinking of going off, these are the things that I put it into. Yeah. So great. it's also when you say earlier, your first question, you get out and you gig a lot. Yeah. It's part of that. That's... On a Friday night, if I don't get out and gig, if I'm sat at home and I'm watching telly, it's, I've got a lovely girlfriend uh, called Dee, or I'll just be sat on my hands just watching telly, and I've got I've turned my phone off and I've put it in another room, yeah. and I just find it's yeah. How, have you have you been sober for how long? I I I have my my maximum that I've managed is without doing anything. Yeah, is six months. Cool. Um, I'm all right if I go out and have a drink. Yeah, a drink really wasn't my my. Well, I say it wasn't my issue, but if you when you go to these NA and CA meetings, they'll say, "Well, no, you need a bigger boat because if you drink and then that triggers you wanting to get coke, you have got to cut yeah. out the drink as well." I'm thinking, but I'm from Bristol. I like a pint of cider. Yeah, but if I have four or five of them, that's when I get twitchy. You start thinking, so, right? Where's so? The- what they would say in every meeting, and rightfully so, I understand it. Is they would say total abstinence from everything. Yeah, you know. But at the end of the day, that to me. I, I I could go out with you now and have lunch and a pint in a pub and be fine yeah. for the day. It's not... But yeah. it's if I go out on a Friday night and people are chucking Sambucas at me and all sorts while I'm gigging... Right. Because my head's busy from gigging, I'm not then thinking about gear. But after that gig finishes and, you know, the adrenaline yeah, wears the adrenaline, off yeah. and, uh, and the packing down and obviously everyone hates that. And once that all wears off, yeah, that's... Uh, that's for me is a right either get your stuff in the car get home get home yeah yeah so um, are you you quite easily swayed by uh, it can happen in two minutes you can be driving home right and you can be driving home thinking right i'm going to get home and the next thing you know you're you're going through you've pulled over in a lay-by and you're going through your your phone bill Right, because you've deleted the numbers off your phone. You're going through your fucking phone oh, bill, shit. looking for the numbers, for, uh, for looking for the numbers. Yeah, Jesus. and it can happen in a in a fucking flash. It, you, and it's it's. Do like, you know what triggers that? Boredom. Boredom. Is it boredom? Boredom. Hundred percent. Is it driving home thinking, right? I'm going to go home. I'm going to. It's Saturday night. It's only it's only half ten. Then having a bit of money in your pocket. And have, yeah, I guess. If you've been it's paid a combination. It's a, yeah, it's a combination of adrenaline wearing off, boredom, and having cash in your pocket. Yeah. But when you're saying, you know, being backstage at festivals and being offered all kinds of shit, the idea to me of being and playing Victorious or doing Isle of Wight or whatever, having three lines and going out on stage would be hell on earth for me. Really? I would be so pissed off with myself um, that I wouldn't have enjoyed but it. 20 years ago? 20 years ago, bang, been... I'd have been in there like a rat up a drain yeah. pipe. Wow. Yeah. And the idea of it now would be, do you know what? I, you know, you look, you look around all the speakers and that and you just see steam and people yeah. and I'd be like, yeah. Yeah, come on let's have it let's have it yeah the, it, it, there is a misconception backstage of it's it's really seedy and you know people offer you drugs it's and not, whatever it's but really it's not se- yeah it's- i have met so many people that that like you know you're a guitar tech um i've done a bit of that um stage engineers sound engineers yeah. rack mount guys i have it is it is a, a children's britannica encyclopedia of musical education of so many different <laughs> roles and things backstage and so many different people that you can learn a lot from yeah and i think so the idea of then also running around backstage 
ripped off your tits, you yeah. know. I've got... Coat, a, so you're, you're going to let yourself down, firstly. Yeah. And secondly, you're denying yourself a chance of talking to and networking with yeah. some, some really interesting that's, people at the top of their game. That's my worry, because if... So I've never been interested in getting into it and it is so easy to get into it backstage but I always think I always have this anxiety of right when when's the next gig coming when am yeah, I Yeah you good? also want people to like you and you, like you yeah, I want people to like me yeah. so I don't want to be like yeah. you know, I'll I'll have a couple of pints and stuff. why the fuck you know, <laughs> yeah. so I'm the same as you I, I want to be like but yeah, I, I want the right people to like me but it's crazy I how I think it's a better way of putting it yeah the right people's like you yeah. yeah but it is crazy how accessible it is backstage there's a there's a a guy huge pop star that I used to sort of in a way work for through my old company. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you his name, but I'll bleep out on the podcast. Yeah. 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 So it was one of his shows and as a joke, one of the techs had like three lines of cocaine drawn on his box. Yeah. Drawn on his tool box. Like, yeah. so in the dark, it looked like yeah. Coke. yeah. So Matey Boy's doing his sound check and he's going around. He sees these three lines and he goes over, licks his finger and puts the thing on it. And he's like thinking it was for him. And everyone's like, oh, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> not, it's not yours. Like, so yeah. it's crazy, all these huge pop stars that, that do it because there's nothing else to do. I, I've, so when I was out on tour with, and it was a guy called... Who was the do first... Do you want me to blank that name out? Yeah, well, he's dead now. He's dead now. But out of respect for the dead, mm. maybe you should blank his name out. But this guy fashioned himself. He's like a Welsh Keith Moon. Right. I think he's the only... He, you would do things like you would hear... You would hear... And then you think you're in your hotel room. You hear that. You think, what the fuck is that? And then a fist comes through like the plasterboard <laughs> with a drumstick. And then he'd turn the drumstick and then pull it back through. And then it's a big enough hole. And he'd look through it. And he'd go, want to go out for a pint? <laughs> <laughs> But he taught me, he taught me the most valuable way he would score drugs. And he, uh, I reckon with me now, you could put me in any city in the world and within two phone calls, uh, I'd find whatever you needed. Yeah. Was, but he would, not that word obviously, but my, my nose and my dick have led me into places you shouldn't go without a gun. <laughs> you know, I mean... <laughs> I've been in favelas in, like, Lisbon without speaking Portuguese, trying to, you know. And um, he, what he said is, what we do is we call hookers, right? We call hookers. We, we say, we don't, want to, we don't want to sleep with you. We'll pay the call-out charge. And then, right, where do we get the... Where, how do we get to the the, oh, the, wow. the the more upper end of the market, not the badly cut street end of the market? This is just showing how un-rock and roll I am. Oh, mate, <laughs> mate. Uh, uh, um, yeah, and, and, and you feel at the time, you, f you feel quite proud of... Uh, I think part of it with me, the buzz of it, used to be the challenge. Right. Of finding yeah. it. I, and I got this as well. For, I was always good at geography at school. And right. um, so when I was doing uh, yachting side of it, and if someone wanted... Wagyu beef boiled in the tears of a unicorn at three o'clock in the morning, or whatever extravagant request they had, I could solve it and probably have it to the boat within twenty four hours, wherever they wow. were in the world. <laughs> you know, and and I'd always like the I'd like the challenge of that. Oh, and cool! The, yeah, and it is, but it's just used in the wrong way. So yeah. anyway, this, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, so um, 
so and that that became something so so really i started looking at right what can i put that challenge in other things so then i find myself pushing myself and going out and doing stupid amounts of gigs mm-hmm. and i i thrive on the fact that i look at my diary and if they're in a dot next to one of the days of the weekend yeah i'll start cold calling pubs you know, oh really just, yeah, cool just to, and then the other thing is but i got to the point where you'd get up for some gigs like last year and yeah you burn out Right, and and this is the thing. You, I'm 44. I'm not a spring chicken anymore, mm. you know. And you burn out, and you think, oh, I've got to go and do a fucking gig tonight. I was going down to Bournemouth every Thursday. I had a residency to do a gig down there, yeah. and it's great because it's regular money. Yeah, but it soon becomes a bit of a ball ache yeah. for, the, for the hour drive there and the hour drive back. Yeah, to do that. And then you're thinking, God, I'm doing this just because I need the 250 quid or whatever they're yeah. paying you just to do an open mic. And I thought. There's got to be a better way. And then I started thinking about people like you and what you go out and do in the summer. And I, yeah. I mean, I've got massive respect for what you do, mate. And, um, oh, thanks, man. Well, no, you, you know, you... you and uh, so thinking, right, work smarter with it. Go out and get festival bookings for your album this year, Jimmer. Um, yeah. Get a bit more money out of them. It's four or five pub gigs worth of money. So, yeah. and it's not putting you under this constant... Mm strain of you know gig 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 gig, gig, gig. gig. but all the time i'm gigging right now i think i'd say i'm probably at the top of my game in terms of yeah you know you're never playing my my singing's improved because of the regularity of it um and i'm then recording and obviously getting in a studio and being more involved in that process and the production process i find that fascinating now the scope of what you do with those sort of things they say you're never as good as you are the last day of your tour. Yeah. Like you're never going to be as good as that because you're just, as a band, you're just switched on. All right, I'm just going to take a quick break from the show to tell you about my Patreon, where for the price of half a coffee a month, you will get early ad-free versions of the podcast in a higher quality, as well as a load of behind-the-scenes photos and audio that I've been told to say are NSFW? Which I don't know what it means, but people have it on their OnlyFans accounts. Apparently, I, I, I don't know, I've been, I've been told that. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Dan Parkinson Music. You can also get the app on your phone so you can listen to my voice wherever you may be. My Patreon has a pay-what-you-can scheme where all tiers are the same. The aim of this is to have more Patreons paying the smaller fee a month and not pricing people out, which in turn will pay for the show and help it run and run until the end of time. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to the show. Going to the recording side of stuff, you spend a lot of time in studios. Yeah. Do you enjoy the studio environment? I, lo- I love it. Do you? What I love about it is um, when me or you, I mean, you're a writer as well. Mm. When me or you write a song, we typically will write it initially on an acoustic guitar or a piano. Yeah. So if I write something on an acoustic guitar, it sounds country mm-hmm. straight away. <laughs> I'm in the country trap at the moment, yeah. as I call it. If I write it on a piano, I'm the master of the painful, depressing piano yeah, ballad. Because <laughs> my, my piano playing isn't as advanced as my guitar playing, because yeah. I've only been playing for like a couple of years. Yeah. Then what I love is you get it in a studio, right, and you do your guide track of it to your click and whatever. Yeah. And I've sat down with Mark, and I probably will with you for the next album I'm doing as well, and then Mark will say something like, Joe, you know I reckon that's a dance track. And the next mm, thing yeah. you know, on the album, there's one. Now, I I, I don't go to Ibiza and want to go to space and <laughs> yeah. manumission and 
you know, rave with a swinging jaw till fucking eight in the morning, then walk home, can get no sleep and go and do it all again. I used to call it DJ motherfucker music. I, you know, to me, it ain't, uh, to me, what I would always say is to, 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 to be a musician, to play a guitar to a level where you can get in a band will take you a good three or four years, yeah. really, yeah. won't it? Yeah. You know, or any instrument, if you re- and that's if you're fucking dedicated yeah. to it. To go out and learn to mix records, right, and then go out and play, I reckon most DJs could do it in, in a year. So to me, <laughs> so to me, they haven't paid enough fucking sacrifice, Dan. Yeah. I yeah. love DJs. I get the yeah. skill of it. I'm not disputing that. Any DJs who might be listening to this, but... Yeah, you get yeah, the comment section. It's my just, mate, Mike Payne's, you say, that's DJ motherfucking music, that, and anything <laughs> dancey or charty or poppy. But what I now love is when you go in a studio is I, I love it that you can go in there with one idea for a track and then on the album there's a song called Mimosa Sunsets and it is an Ibiza yeah. banger. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I didn't go in here today to come out with this, but <laughs> yeah. I love it. And and I, what I, that's, I love the whole, I'm a, I'm a really creative person yeah. and, and whether that creative process is in writing, in the production, messing around with synth emulator, you know, yeah. um, you're always learning something yeah. as long as i'm always learning something whether it's it being in studio and production or writing or learning jazz chord progressions or whatever yeah. I, I love it yeah great. so yeah i i don't i don't find the whole writing and recording process there hasn't really been a single time i've sat in there doing that album where i felt r- frustrated with the yeah, end product cool. great yeah. And that's that's obviously who you're working with. Mark's obviously a great, a yeah, great producer. I, I, but I think also, I, I think it's also down to the musician as well. Yeah. I reckon if I was in your shoes, right, and I had someone in and they gave you a brief and you do it and then they say, oh, no, 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 I don't like And they don't really know what they want. Yeah. Oh, mate. Yeah, uh, the, that, that, I've got no fucking patience for that. I, I, That's, I, and I'd be a night, that, I'd be a nightmare as a producer and in that. I, I, they'd have their head through a four by twelve cab. <laughs> I just, you know, just be, yeah, fuck off in there. And then that cab would be and, on the invoice. And then that cab would be on the invoice. <laughs> and then you got bad word of mouth. Yeah, but yeah, producer you, puts musicians' head through. Yeah, yeah. You can see it as a headline on NME. Well, like, is it's good got, is it all gone Phil Spector. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pull, yeah, yeah. Pull, pull a gun on someone in the studio. Didn't that, he? that is one of the hardest things about the job. Is I think Pro Tool. I used Pro Tools. Yeah. Big boy shit, mate. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, uh, this, you are, okay. Yeah, well, <laughs> all right, go on. And uh, Pro Tools put out an Instagram post on April Fool's and it was a button up the top and it was a uh, read client's mind button. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone, yeah, commented loving that. And I was like, that is the hardest part of the job. Like yeah. someone comes in and they'll say, oh, I want it to sound like Sheena Easton. And you go, well, okay, great. What you do is, what you do is, musicians, if you're listening to this, save producers heartache. Because really, in writing a song, what, what most people out there don't sort of understand is, Every song has been influenced by something before yeah, it, yeah, hasn't course. it, really? Of course, yeah. So come in with an idea of what your influences are, what you think you want it to sound like, and you'll actually get closer to an idea that you wanted yeah. without having your head stuck into a 4 by 12 cab. <laughs> That's what it all boils so, down to. So, yeah, yeah, and if I'm ever a producer... Don't come to me. If he's got a 4x12 cab in his studio... <laughs> if I've got studio, a 4x12 come. cab and you don't know what you're doing, you're <laughs> fucked. <laughs> 
when the album was finished, when your album was finished, yeah. what kind of hopes did you have for that? Ah, it's another thing on the anxiety, isn't it? Because ultimately, no one goes out and buys. There's, the, 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 there's two golden ages that are gone these days. Mm. The golden age of the £1.99 Ryanair flight. That's fucking gone now. Forget <laughs> about that. Right? And the other one is when you look at, you know, the, the bands that you would want to maybe emulate if you're doing music from a monetary side of things, you are not in the realms anymore of, you know, selling thousands, hundreds of thousands of mm. CDs and making streaming royalties are a pittance. Mm. So if you look at the top 20 artists that have made it, if you're doing it from that side of it, they all gone viral on YouTube or TikTok or TikTok's actually the biggest record label in the world yeah, now, TikTok's, isn't it? Really, in yeah, essence. Yeah. Yeah, so... So I initially, I was thinking, oh, I can stick it on Bandcamp. I mean, I did well to sell like 1,500 copies yeah. of it. And I sold a lot of that through the yachting industry. and Because oh, there's, cool. there's 6,000 super yachts out there and they got about 70,000 crew on. And I got a lot of support from crew, Great. which grew my numbers quite yeah. quickly. But then as the quickly as those numbers grow, they dip off. And one yeah. of my mates said to me, the trick is you've got to get it out there with people listening to it who you don't know. Yeah. And that so so really, I because I had a sales and a marketing and a business background in the time I wasn't doing music, yeah. I had quite a healthy expectation. The fact of right, it's not going to help you to make money off streams and sales, yeah. but you've got to get those numbers up. So you've got to understand the hashtags that you attach to things yeah. on LinkedIn posts and that side of the market. I reckon I'm. I, I'm a savvy. I'm savvier than most musicians cool. for that. Great. Because, and, and you need I look to at, be. You and need I look to at be. you with content, 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 yeah. and what you're doing with whether it's you fixing a guitar or what you're doing. You, you you're really stuff. you're the one thing I would say about you that I really admire more than your musical ability is your savvy in terms of getting content out oh, and the business cool. and the marketing way of yeah, you that, do it. because that's kind of my way of advertising. All exactly. that day in the life stuff well, is advertising. Well, I was selling advertising in, in media, in magazines, when I wasn't doing music. Yeah. So it's always given me that grounding of, right, okay, because your song is ultimately a product at the yeah, end of the yeah, day. Yeah. And it's how do you get that product into, you know, into the hands of people that can accelerate is great or how do you do that yourself in yeah. the modern day and age do people need a record label anymore exactly they kind of do because it takes a lot of the pain out of it in the fact that they will have the direct contact into you know the program manager at itv or bbc yes. and all of that side of things yeah. and they're all in cahoots with each other um but you can kick that door down without having yeah. a record label you could you could record everything yourself mix it yourself or pay someone if, else to yeah. mix it master it get it on get it online get it on spotify and if you get a million views yeah. a record label is going to look at that and yeah. go well they've done all the work for us cool we'll get them on board and yeah that's, exactly like, that's kind of how and it that's works what a now. record label want to see these days yeah they want to see people who can get stuff recorded get it out take ownership of it themselves yes because ultimately what a record label is doing is they're an investor yeah, you know they're not they're not they're going to look at someone and go right out can we because it you know for us to really push this tune on a larger level is probably going to take about hundred and fifty to two hundred grand of investment. Yeah. So is this person savvy enough and disciplined yeah. enough in the fact they've done it themselves that we would want to be in, invested in them? And I look at people like you and Mark who are wholly investable mm. as people, um, but ultimately with people's access now to youtube tiktok and all of these things 
do they need a record label anymore? Yeah. But the problem is now mu- the music industry has become an industry where they can't sell music hmm. because most of it is stream-free or yeah, through a Spotify. Yeah. So if they can't sell music, how is a record label making their money? They want to, they're going to do like, you know, one of these... Um, what's the name of the deal they do now where they want a percentage of your tour earnings? A 360 deal. 360 deal, yeah. that's it. Yeah, so they, they, they're changing the game in the way that they're going about things. So but, to, to, to anyone that doesn't really know how a record label works, it used to work, um, a record label would like your band, they'd send out an a and person to your gig, go, oh, they're pulling a good crowd, they might be yeah. good. They'll give you, a say, 100 grand. Yeah, and a four or five album deal. Well, no, a two-album, three-album deal. The yeah. days of, you know, having a seven-album. Yeah, they're, they're Jamiroquai was the last one, you got a big one, I think. And then Sorry. that money, that 100 grand, you've got a... That's not your money. No, that's your recording cost. You've got to pay for recording. And then that comes out of your money. If you then sell a shit ton of records, that 100 grand advance will come out of your end, which is only about, probably about 9% of the actual... And you've got, before, as soon as you get that 100 grand, 12% or 15% of that goes straight to your manager. Yeah, like it's they're, more they're than just, 20. Is it 20 now? Yeah, <sighs> 20 is usually the industry standard you've for a good manager. You've got to be good for 20, ain't you? Yeah. You've got, like, you got to be like uh, uh, Miami... <laughs> yeah he's a fucking lawyer what did he know about yeah, music yeah. suddenly he's, he's managing queen <laughs> miami landed on his feet didn't he He landed on his feet mate. yeah yeah and then yeah so that underground goes straight into recording touring all that kind of shit now they just look at your spotify plays yeah. and go oh they've already paid for the recording yeah what else can we yeah. get out of them yeah. oh let's just get a deal with them and and then it. we get, what the record labels will have is a vested interest in live nation or in mm-hmm. you know the mean fiddler and all of the the, the touring and the management companies yeah. on that side um what well, here's another good one you'll like this so you know like the x factor and the voice yeah so the x factor any song that is performed on the x factor specifically is a song that is under something to do with sony bmg oh really yeah anything that's on the voice i believe i think is universal so what they're doing is they're creating it's really clever they're creating their own micro environment so they're getting the royalties from the tv play yeah off their own artists yes and and they're creating this nice little elfie elfie bubble of because then people go and listen to the other the original version yeah and then they get the royalties yeah, from that yeah <clears throat> so they they it has become these tv shows have almost become wow. the biggest way that a record label these days can generate raw because you get more from tv royalties than you do from streaming yeah of course, and you do yeah. from radio play as well yeah. obviously you still get decent amounts from those two things and even though tiktok is is the biggest one i think my I don't know if you know my. I had a video on TikTok go viral, and it's at something like seven point eight million your, views. Was this your uh, World Cup song? No, I wish, mate. That's that's where the money would have been. It was my Jack Black thing where I did um, musical director for Jack Black. Oh, well, I haven't seen when, that. It's called When Jack Black's Your Musical Director, mate. Yeah, on TikTok it got it's at like seven point eight million. How much did views. you make off that? Four pound eighty something. You're kidding. <laughs> what? Yeah. I was really hoping you'd say like forty grand then. 
<laughs> How did you nah. know the guy who did that Savage Love, that Jason? There was one point on TikTok globally where he's making about fifteen thousand dollars a day. Apparently. Oh, really? Now, whether that's an old wife, of like a fishwife myth or whatever, I don't the, know. I heard a I heard a podcast the other day where there was a guy that one of his videos went viral, and it was I, th- I can't remember what it's called. I think it's called like Look Up or something, and it's about it's a poem about people on their phones. Yeah, and that the video is just people on their phones and they're missing all this stuff around him, and he he went viral sort of like over like a week or so and he was on tour with the band and he was in a bar with the band he was driving and they were like oh they're in a hit a million and he was like oh amazing they had a drink and stuff and then it got to like 1.4 million or something on youtube and youtube got in contact with him and said look you're yeah, gonna we need, want to touch advertising we're gonna too. yeah you're gonna yeah. have to monetize this yeah. and, they, and they said right well have you monetized it and he said no and he was, they were like, right you need to monetize it now mm. and he said oh how much have i lost the youtube said or youtube or youtube's manager said um if you'd monetized it from the start you would have earned 10 to fifteen thousand pounds on that yeah in a do week. You, well do you know how that works with youtube a little bit it's quite clever this so so obviously google or or people who want to advertise on youtube businesses they what they do is youtube pitch them advertising and it's almost like they have buckets of content so you got you got your top bucket that's got like five million plus views and and growing quick yeah you know you know where you see the videos on there they got 50 million views yeah right Right. you know like right so that's mr beast is a big one that's top that kind of stuff yeah so then you get your big companies that their advertising goes into any video that's top bucket will give Google X amount a year for all of our SEO online and because Google own YouTube. <laughs> then you've got these different little buckets going down, all staged on, you know, like different amounts of hits. And when your advert plays, so you've got content on YouTube, when the advert plays on and you press skip ad, if the advert, if you don't skip the ad, if the viewer, while they're watching your thing, watches an extra like five ten seconds of the content past skip ad you're getting paid basically as a creator as a creator yeah yeah so basically you're getting a fraction of the oh ad. so if they skip the ad if they skip the ad you you just if the advert's in your content you get a set amount but once it goes past that skip ad, oh wow that's when so yeah listeners if there's ever a musician that you like tolerate 10 seconds <laughs> yeah, of the advert yeah. that might interrupt content yeah so those nearest and dearest that you like yeah. listening to actually get paid some fucking money <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the hard thing that's why i mean i started the patreon the other day the patreon, oh yeah which is, is great like yeah. it's it's really good just for people that kind of just want to support like, a lot of youtube content creators have, have patreon, patreon as well to their you know find a you know and sub- that goes back to subscribe oh here's the other thing if you like dan's stuff on tiktok or youtube subscribe and here's another one you have to do is enable notifications yeah so when dan <laughs> so when dan puts new content up it notifies you of it straight away yeah and, and youtube also, like that youtube youtube <laughs> like that that gives youtube a semi right yeah. and then if you want to get them fully engorged basically you need about a million hits on it yeah, down, yeah it? just keep it playing uh, yeah just keep it playing leave it playing on loop overnight <laughs> yeah why is that missus said you why is that phone on loop well, i'm trying to help dan parkinson out <laughs> i'm trying to help him get four pound eighty yeah how many times do i have to listen to this it's been 64 times already it's all right love only another million to go <laughs> Yeah. So there you go. So that is the cruel reality of the music industry. Now, does that create anxiety for me? No, that doesn't. That I've I've always been a disruptive little fucker. So I I like the I like whilst I like the way that these streaming platforms have disrupted 
the music industry. It hasn't helped us as artists, obviously. No, no. Although it has for reach and all those sorts mm-hmm. of things. I I like it when band ACDC did a disruptive thing. The last album they released, they did it on tape. Oh really? So cool. yeah, so they couldn't like you great. know. So you had to go out and, and buy it. And uh, I like a band camp. I think's a great thing. Band where, camp's always good. You know where the artist sees eighty five percent of the money. Yeah. Um, I I still believe that 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 your Spotify's and your Apple Music's uh, at the moment is video content. I believe that there will be a retro resurgence of you know, like your MTV type t- music channels yes. and and me- media will shift in the way... Even with YouTube being... Because if I want to watch a YouTube's always, video now, I can just chuck YouTube's it on YouTube's always going to be there. Yeah. Um, but I think they... And they, you know, you're not going to beat your Googles or that, but there is going to be, as people become more suspicious of what they're fed by mass media, how they're fed it, what they're being told, what they are believing, I think there will be more of a switch back to direct engagement with artists, yeah. uh, cutting out these large conglomerates or, mm. or artists finding ways of doing it. And I'm all for that. I, I'm all for things that disrupt the the, the big corporate side of things. The, the... I, I, I think whether that's because I'm a rebellious little cunt <laughs> or whether that's because of... I'm a big believer, right, that everyone's got to leave the party with a balloon in terms right. of a transaction. Yeah. And at the moment, with record labels, it's never been the artist leaving the party with a balloon. The record label very much leaves leaves the party with your balloon for you. And all the air to fill those Yeah, balloons. yeah. <laughs> and now I just think that there's going to be another disruptive shift at some point in the way music is delivered to people. Mm whether that's in, in uh, someone starting an independent radio station. Mm-hmm. It, everything goes in cycles. So yeah. something, will, and I'm a big believer that something will come back around where that happens. Yeah, I hope so. Because it is tough. Patreon.com forward slash Dan Parkinson Music. As an artist, you do feel like you're putting the pressure on your fans to help you out. Like Patreon, oh, but, can you pay me £3 a month or whatever? And then you feel guilty for asking them and making but them you feel guilty. feel guilty because at the end of the day, Here's the thing. Up to a point, music was something where if people liked Phil Collins, they would go out and buy No Jacket Required on a CD or on vinyl and have a nice vinyl collection. (coughs) Mm -hmm. And they love the fact that they look at a shelf and have all their vinyl there. Right. Then that, you know, that shifted where people, you know, how many mates have you got have got like an LP collection? All my mates have got vinyl in some sort of... yeah. When you listen to something on vinyl, I think he's got more character. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, now now to your average Joe Sheep out there, they don't really listen to music in the way that, like, musicians do, do they? So, but the re- the ones who really, your mates who aren't musicians, who've got a vinyl collection, they, they, they've all said to me, I love listening to stuff on vinyl. And the, yeah. you know, and the sort of the quality of it. And yeah. It just seems more atmospheric to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I sort of envy people that just listen to music as music and just like, oh, it's just a sound that happens. And I'm sort of a little bit envious of that. I'm very like, yeah, I'm very like, I wish I could just kind of take it back to like the naivety. Because when I listen to a song, I don't, the first thing I hear is the compression on the vocal and what the kick drum sound is like. And it's like, why why am I not just listening to the song? I'm just listening to all these little aspects of it. The last thing I would say (laughs) on that 
is that so when I sit and and I'm talking about songs to people and I'm talking about music to them, I would say, right, sit and listen to that bit of music. Why do you like that song? Do you Mm. like it because it provokes an emotion in you? Do you like it because you relate to the vocal? Do you like it because you like the melody line of it? Mm -hmm. Tell me what the bass is doing in it. And what I start getting people to do, and I really like, I like the fact I have this sort of um, nurturing sight of me to do it. I said, start dissecting that song. Listen to the string arrangement in it. Cut out the drums part. You know, or watch that George Martin documentary where he's got the Beatles recorded oh, yeah, on a four great. track. Yeah. And he's got two. It's amazing how he did that it's on amazing, a four track. Yeah. It's mental, isn't it? And he's got the strings and a vocal on one channel. Yeah. Um, We're st- spoiled now with like. Yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, plus I mean, yeah, when, when, you, when you do a track on Pro Tools, uh, White Collars Making Dollars on my album has got 42 different channels on it of different things. Yeah. Which is, that's quite a lot. It's but, a lot. It's not as much as, but you know, it I've, can get more. I've like, seen. I mean, imagine what that's doing to your CPU. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah I've, I've yeah. seen stuff in studios where it's got 70, 80 yeah. channels of shit going on. I'm like, that's fucking mental. My production style is very simple. I like to keep things yeah. very simple. Get the take. Yeah, most of mine are twenty, twenty-five. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's all. I right, would right. say. Yeah, unless we go down a rabbit I mean, hole. Drums take up sixteen of those. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. It's always it's, it's those fucking drum lines. All good yeah, drummers. Drum without line. you know, without a good drummer in your band as well. Good, I love drummers. I communicate more of a well, drummer love, on stage than a good drummer. Yeah, I communicate. Your band more, is only ever as good as good your drummer. drummer. I yeah. said this to Dave Allen when oh, really? we were doing the show, but and Dave's a great drummer. Oh, mate, everybody but thanks for putting great, me in then. touch with him because yeah, he is a great He's drummer. Right. He came to do. He did a podcast every day. But yeah, I guess before you go, what have you got planned? What's, what's coming up? I've got, right, at the moment I've finished writing album two. I've, I've got, I reckon, about 80, 80, 90 songs. Wow. Yeah. So so then I'm in the in the sifting process of yeah. which ones, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, there are songs on that first album that I put on there at the time because I didn't know what to do with the others. And I reckon every album's got one or two lazy songs on it. Oh, you reckon? Yeah, well, it does. Well, yeah. in, in my instance, it does with that one. That's because, what a lot of people don't realise is when a band releases an album, say there's 10 songs on it, a lot of the time that band would have written 20, 30 songs. They would have recorded probably 16, 17 of them yeah. and then got rid of seven. Yeah. And then just get just kept the time. I didn't do it that way. Yeah. I, I went in, I set myself a deadline. I went in there, start of February, I said, I want it out by start of May, mid-May. Great. So what I did was rather than, because I noticed you, I think it was that your mate talking about it, saying the dirty dead. The dirty dead stuff, yeah. Yeah, which uh, people Still have been waiting up. for this for fucking years by the sound <laughs> of it, Dan. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> just busy, mate. Busy. <laughs> just busy. Well, there you go, yeah. I think. But, well, I think that actually, I've just kind of I've been a bit like, um, like honestly, I've just been sort of jaded by the whole being an original band thing. That's why I went to session work because I was like, well, I enjoy the session work. There's more money in it. Yeah, it's No one really cares what band I'm in. Like, yeah. no one really Is there only a limited amount of places that you can go out and play with an original well, band exactly, these days? Yeah, like- like, I could put out a post about the Dirty Dead and not that this matters, but and it'll get two or three likes. I can do a post where... You're playing Superstition for a wedding for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or, you know, I do a TV jam doing the fucking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or something yeah. and it'll get 100 plus likes and it's yeah. like... Okay, where are the rules? Why why are people liking that? Oh, it's because they can relate to that. They know nothing about that. Why, do, that, that, why should that, people well, then care about it? Well, what's the future for original music if that's the case? 
Yeah. If you think about it, that's yeah. worrying, isn't it? Yeah, that is worrying. Because because then you're like, okay, right, so everyone in this instant gratification society we now live in where I don't like you, right, I'll just swipe left on you. Right yes, for you, yeah. you know. It, but this, it, we live in a disposable society where uh, a band can come out, have two or three songs, and then something else comes out. Yeah. So yeah. there's no longevity anymore. Nah. You know, for as long as people are now sort of, you know, liking content mm-hmm. rather than the original, the original stuff that's stuff, coming yeah. out, this is why music. It's worrying that it's worrying. actually is a trend, isn't it? Because that's why I'm doing all the day in the life stuff. And that makes me anxious. <laughs> <laughs> the, the yeah. demise of uh, yeah the, the demise of why the fuck am I rec- yeah why am I- so what I did anyway with the album is I thought right by May putting it out and I'm thinking alright people who like me and like it yeah. all support me and pay for it on yeah. but here's the thing there's a lovely thing in that as well when you're asking for free quid on a Patreon or whatever it creates a relationship with your true fan base. Yeah. And I think these days, if you're going to go out and be a musician and a successful original musician, part of the trick to that is in being accessible to your fan base. Yes. Where they can obviously communicate with you directly. Yeah. And I think it's a massive part of it. Yeah. In as much as I like throwing out a book at gigs, like I was saying, you know, if 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 you want to turn up for a gig and just play at an audience, what you want them to hear... If it's a covers gig, forget about it. You've got to take on board people wanting to come and do requests because they feel involved in it. Yeah. And I love that. I love that inclusion part of it. When when I started putting out stuff on social media, it had to be perfect. It had to be like shot perfect. Lighting had to be great. I had to edit it all perfectly. And now Now I realise that... Now you're thinking, fuck all that. I I could just just do a selfie and chuck it out. I want the likes and the engagement. If I just chuck out a video, I chucked out one the other day on the Stage Fright podcast Instagram of... It was just me saying, oh, the the podcast is now on Apple Music. Like, yeah. It was just literally a selfie. It took me 11 seconds to do. I put it up. Great engagement. Like, yeah. It was really good. And I was like, I could have taken that to the studio, done yeah. a proper shoot with it, like nice lighting, say, hey, guys, welcome to the... Wouldn't have mattered. And it's just like... Wouldn't have mattered. People would have just seen that and gone, oh, he's trying too hard. They Swipe. just want the engagement. Yeah, they just it's, want it quick. It's got to be above a certain quality. Yes, yeah, When you course, put it yeah. out. I mean, obviously, I totally agree with you on that. But yeah, it's all about the engagement with people I've, and that is the thing that is the thing in music that as much as it creates anxiety when you're not getting that engagement mm-hmm. when you are getting it at a gig or from a song or there's no money can't buy you that yeah not at it, all. there's no better feeling I've, and that's something that nourishes my soul and I've, it's probably the one of the main reasons i love music yeah when you you get that engagement or you've written something that people relate to or you've written something where you see 10, 15,000 people singing it, thinking, I wrote that, and people like that. Yeah. That's a, that's, 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 that's why, that's, more that's of the a dream, isn't it, really? The occasional messages you get saying, I love what you've done here, I love this lyric, I love this song, yeah. blah, blah, that's worth exactly. so much. Exactly. I, I found out that the only true algorithm that works when posting stuff online, do you want to hear it? Yeah, I'd love to. Good content. That yeah. is the only thing that is going to get you. Mm. People say, oh, no, you got to post. I heard one that on Instagram, you need to post every day. You need to post every 24 hours. So I tried doing that and then you, your engagement goes down. Exactly. Because like, people I post, get fed up with it. People just get fed up people and see think, my face. Who's this fucking needy self-serving yeah, exactly, twat? exactly. Who's this attention hound? <laughs> exactly. You know. You put up good content, people are going to watch yeah, it. Yeah. My advice to any 
musician who's out there now who's starting writing stuff and getting it out write good songs get yourself a good producer be totally open to the producer's ideas be humble enough to hand it over and then once you've got that get an understanding of posting that content driving streaming numbers learn about your marketing and your business side of it Mm. and what will come as a reward from that is ultimately the hope that you'll be still on stage in front of fifty thousand people playing it yeah and that will be the best engagement you'll get out. Dave yeah. Grohl still says that. The best way to get out and get music in, I still believe it's getting out and it's getting being getting there in person, it, yeah. being present and being accessible to fans. Yeah, 100%. So there you go. That's it. Yeah. Well, cheers for coming on, mate. Mate, thank you. It's been, been a pleasure. It's, been it's always good, good talking it. to you. Yeah, You're like yeah, Yoda. <laughs> from Star so, yeah. Trek. I love that. Yeah, well, Yoda from Star <laughs> Trek. Where was Yoda ever in Star Trek? You Right. I'm going to try and make it a thing to do these in one take. Okay, cool. That was James Williams on the Stage Fright podcast. If you'd like to help out the show, please sign up to the Patreon, where for the price of half a coffee a month, you'll get early ad-free access and higher... (laughs) Ah, It's like that fucking video. And higher quality versions of the pod, as well as some extra extra bonus bits and conversations. Patreon.com forward slash Dan Parkinson Music. If you are listening to this on Patreon, sorry about that bit. Email me any thoughts and ideas you might have for the pod at allrightstagefright at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram and Twitter. Um, the handles are... Just type in the Stage Fright podcast, you'll, you'll find it. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the next one. See ya! <laughs> no one listens to this bit. <laughs>